Did someone order a large heaping plate of spirituality with a piping hot side of comedy and a tall, cold glass of gay? Well, grab your utensil of choice, because this is episode 13 of Have a Blessed Gay, your weekly spiritual comedy podcast. I am your holy host, that tall glass of gay himself, Tyler Martin. You can go ahead and stick your eco-friendly straw on me, pucker those lips, and suck. Okay, well that sounded a bit wrong. Or did it? Maybe it sounded just right. (laughs) Either way, I am so happy that you're here right now, listening and just being your gorgeous self. I hope you are having a terrific day, taking note of all the amazing things to be grateful for. Just like how I am grateful for you. Thank you to everyone who has subscribed and followed the podcast. If you haven't already, it is totally free, like my love for you. It only takes a second and really helps the podcast out. And if you are in a giving mood, please rate and leave a review. I would immensely appreciate it. After I came out to my parents and it was more horribly received than Lady Gaga's album Art Pop, I watched a documentary called For the Bible Tells Me So, all about the divide between the LGBTQ plus community and the Christian church. 16-year-old Tyler sobbed throughout the entire film. It is an incredible documentary that breaks down the arguments made by the Christian church against the LGBTQ plus community, specifically focusing on parents with gay and lesbian children. And coming from such a broken emotional place, I really cannot put into words what that movie meant to me at the time. It reassured me that being gay was not a sin and gave me hope that I wasn't going to burn in hell for all eternity. Well, I guess the verdict is still out on that. However, I will not be going there because I'm gay. That much we know. But it's just so funny how the universe works. It is always up to something, right? Okay, so listen to this. As I mentioned in episode 5, I wrote and was in a web series called Don't Suck, which is still available on YouTube if you haven't seen it. And within Don't Suck, the main character struggles with his dual identities of being gay and wanting to claim a Christian faith label. Now, I attended one of the film festivals Don't Suck was in last year, you know, when humans actually attended events. Yeah, good times. The film festival was Cinema Diverse, which is in Palm Springs, California. And oh my gosh, as a side note, I freaking love Palm Springs. The architecture is adorable, everyone is so sweet, and it is gayer than, well, this podcast. Now, the opening film this last year was a documentary called For They Know Not What They Do, exploring the intersection of religion, sexual orientation, and gender identity in America. The documentary is by the wonderful filmmaker Daniel Carslake, whose first major documentary was, ding, 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 that film I watched as a teenager for the Bible tells me so. Now, I've only had a handful of experiences that I would call profound, but watching this film at the festival was one of them. It is really difficult to describe the experience and energy within that film festival that night. You could feel the severe weight in that packed theater, everyone having such an intense emotional reaction. 
Some people literally screaming at the screen, flipping it off, others storming out, throwing their popcorn in the air, while everyone else, me included, just sat there with tears streaming down our faces, some audibly sobbing and grasping for breath. Like, I cannot stress enough how pissed off, angry, sad, hurt, just emotion-packed everyone was. And in order to get these intense types of reactions, you know it's good art. Rothko, remember me talking about him? Yeah, he would really approve. It's a very heavy film, but one that is important for people to watch. At the film festival, I had many, many discussions with people regarding religion and spirituality, who, after a couple days later, watched an episode of my series at the festival which is primarily a comedy, so handling the subject matter in a completely different way. But as I've mentioned before, one of the main reasons for this podcast being created stemmed from my web series. So many people who have been traumatized by religion related and saw themselves in my extremely low-budget series. And I knew from that massive outpour of people asking me for more content that I needed to make it. So here we are, From 16-year-old me seeing that documentary, to making my series, to being at that festival, to making this podcast, to this episode where I got to chat with the filmmaker of those documentaries, Daniel Carslake. Pretty fucking cool, right? Daniel Carslake is an award-winning American director, producer, and activist, whose highly acclaimed work deals with pressing issues of national and international social justice. His first major film, For the Bible Tells Me So, premiered at the 2007 Sundance Film Festival and was shortlisted for a 2008 Academy Award. His second major film, Every Three Seconds, examines solutions to extreme poverty and hunger around the globe and I chat with him about his third and newest major film, For They Know Not What They Do, and the topics within, like conversion therapy and the downfall of religious freedom. Now let's listen to this awesome discussion with Daniel Carslake. This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp, the leading provider of online counseling. Y'all, the world is crazy and mental health is important. Some might even call it spiritual. I personally use BetterHelp myself and absolutely love what they're doing. BetterHelp makes professional counseling accessible, affordable, and convenient. So if you're struggling emotionally, battling anxiety, or you can't stop crying after an episode of Queer Eye, BetterHelp can be there for you anytime, anywhere. Go to my personal link at BetterHelp help.com slash blessed gay to check it out and get what 10% off the best part is you don't even have to leave your house they offer four ways to speak with a licensed counselor video calls phone calls real-time chat and direct messaging all counselors have been qualified and certified by their state's professional board In other words, you're not talking to a lobster dressed in human clothes. They're legit. All you gotta do is go to my link at betterhelp.com slash blessed gay and begin the questionnaire to match you with a therapist who is uniquely qualified to serve your needs. How sexy. 
It's super duper easy and you're matched within 24 hours or less. BetterHelp has a monthly subscription rather than paying per session, which makes it cheaper. But if finances are still a concern, financial aid is available for those who qualify. Get counseling, improve your life, and help this podcast out in the process by going to betterhelp.com slash gay. Sign up today and get 10% off. That's betterhelp.com slash gay. Daniel Carslake, welcome to Have a Blessed Gay. Thank you so much, Tyler. It's great to be with you. Thanks for having me. I am so excited to chat with you. Let's just get into it, okay? Tell us who you are and what the hell you do. So I'm an American documentary filmmaker. I live in Berlin, Germany. Uh, and mostly with my films, uh, I make social issue films. And I tend to look a great deal at religion, the power of religion to both do great things and to do really horrible things. Uh, I'm sort of fascinated with uh, religion. So that's a big part of my focus. Well, your professional work speaks to what you experienced growing up and the difficulties you faced with your identity and your desire to be involved with a religion, something I think a lot of people experience, me included. I was a teenager when I found and watched your first documentary for The Bible Tells Me So. And when I watched it, I had just recently come out to my parents. I was in such a terrible, scary place emotionally. And that movie just meant so much to me at the time. It gave me hope that everything was going to be okay. That means the world to me. I love I love to hear that because that was that was the whole reason we made that film and really why we've made the new film. So I love I love hearing those stories. So thank you for saying that. Would you tell us about For the Bible Tells Me So and why you were inspired to create that documentary? My partner and I were uh, were home one night in Manhattan watching PBS and a show called In the Life came on. It was on 10 o'clock on Channel 13 in New York, and it was the only show. This is in the late 90s, so it's a while ago. It was the only show on television about real LGBTQ people. Uh, it was on once a month, and it was like three little mini documentaries about just LGBTQ life in America. And um, I remember – I don't remember what the other two stories were, but the story that really <laughs> – really affected me was just the story about this gay couple in West Virginia who were pig farmers, who were just <laughs> like these regular guys who had a farm and they raised pigs and they were gay. And that was it. And I said to Russ, my partner, I said, you know, if I ever worked in television, I'd work for that show because it's a not for profit because they were, you know, funding credits at the beginning of the end of all the people who gave money that made it possible. And it was doing something that I felt was important in the U.S. And that was sort of humanizing the LGBTQ community instead of politicizing it. Mm -hmm. And so um, we had this long conversation about that. I went to sleep, got up the next morning, went to my job, which was this fundraising for a cancer research center. But because the research center was in California, we just had this crappy little office in this little teeny building in the garment district in New York on West 28th Street. I went into my building the next morning, got in the elevator, and the host of In the Life, that show that we had watched the night before, got in the elevator with me. Shut the and hell up. I was up. just like, I never, because I lived in Los Angeles, I, I cultivated this thing where I just never talk to famous people. I don't acknowledge them because I think it's a pain in the neck for them. 
But I thought, okay, I cannot believe she's in this elevator with me. I just said what I said last night. I have to say something. So I said, aren't you on in the life? She said, yeah, his name's Catherine Linton. And I looked at the numbers, you know, the numbers above the door um, that show the, the, the floors in the building. And our office was on number on floor three. So I was like, I have until the third floor to chat this woman up as much as I possibly can. <laughs> so I started talking really fast. I was like, I was watching your show last night and I was just saying to my partner, blah, 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 blah. I went to USC film school and I, blah, 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 blah. and she was, she said, first of all, can you step back a little and slow down? <laughs> Cause I, like, I was totally in her face. And she said, secondly, we, our production offices are on seven. Just come up anytime. I'll introduce you to the executive producer. So the production offices for that show were in the building where I worked what? on the seventh floor. And this is it, so insane. It was completely insane. And so insane that I thought this is not just insane. Like I need to pursue this because I put it out there last night and it's been put right in front of me this morning. And that is the moment that I learned that this is this is how life works. Like once you get, at least for me, once I've gotten kind of a clear vision of where I want to go or what I think I might want to do, every door that I need to open opens. Now, I'm a male. I'm white. You know, I have all these different privileges. So that helps everything. But I really do think there is something to this. And so here I went up. That same day, I went up to the seventh floor. I talked to the executive purser. I wanted to watch how they made the film, and I would carry cable just to sort of be around and see how they did it. And within a couple months, uh, the executive producer said, Dan, you know, start pitching ideas for stories. You can do this. You can totally do this. You've had this education. Um, you have this passion. What do you want to do? And I pitched a story about a lesbian, a, a black lesbian at Harvard who was at the Divinity School named Irene Monroe. Uh, I loved her because Irene was, um, as an infant, they think she was about six months old. She was found as a baby in a garbage can in Brooklyn. And she was taken to the New York Foundling Hospital when she was found. And her name, Irene Monroe, comes from the fact that Sister Irene, the nun that that ran the hospital, loved Marilyn Monroe. <laughs> and so she grew up with functionally illiterate foster parents. But by the time she was 18, she went full scholarship to Wellesley. Then she was full scholarship, full scholarship to Union Theological Seminary. Now she was at Harvard. OK. Yes. And she's wow. this like faith-filled black lesbian who also, this was the kicker, she was the teaching assistant to Peter Gomes, who was the university minister at Harvard. Peter wrote the number one best-selling book ever written about the Bible called The Good Book. And in The Good Book, there was a chapter that I knew about, that I'd read, about the fact that homosexuality as we know it today really isn't in the Bible. It was the first time I ever read scholarship that said pretty much what for the Bible tells me so says is comes from the good book, the Bible parts, right? So Irene was the teaching assistant for Peter. And so that gave me an idea of like, I'll interview Peter talking about Irene, but I'm also going to ask him about the Bible and gay people. And so I, I put together my first, the first kind of mini documentary I made for In the Life was about this woman at Harvard. And Peter was in it talking about how the Bible really doesn't talk about homosexuality, even though we think it does. And um, as and a this was in the late 90s. Yeah, this was like 98, maybe 99. Oh. 
1998, right. 99. Right. And it aired. So I'm finally getting to your <laughs> reason why I made for the Bible tells me so. <laughs> um, it aired. It was the very first thing I produced and it was their first Emmy nomination, which was cool. So that sort of solidified me as solidified me as a producer at in the line. Look at you. Uh, okay. Way more importantly, um, I got about 70 or 80 emails that next day from people who had seen the piece and, um, they were all over the place, but the very first email I opened that morning, which is the first email I've ever read about any of my work was from a like 13 year old boy in Iowa. And it was five lines. It said, last week I bought the gun. Yesterday I wrote the note. Last night I happened to see your show on PBS. And just knowing that someday somewhere I might be able to go back into a church with my head held high, I dropped the gun in the river. My mom never has to know. Wow. And I like that. It still like shakes me up. Um, he had obviously decided to kill himself because of what he was hearing about himself at his church. And he saw this one example of a Christian who was proudly Christian and proudly lesbian. And he thought I can stay. And then there was this minister who was also saying this stuff about, Oh wait, I'm not condemned. What? You know? So that has fueled virtually everything. That is so powerful and touching and just speaks to how intense this issue was and still is. And from that, you create For the Bible Tells Me So. It premieres at Sundance, a huge success here in the U.S. and in many other countries. And it is still to this day being talked about and being translated into new languages because it is unfortunately, still extremely relevant. I mean, these issues have grown and become even more complex, which is why your new documentary, For They Know Not What They Do, is so important right now. And I'd love to know what exactly led you to create another documentary about this subject matter. Why do you think it is crucial to continue this conversation? Um, well, my, my husband and I moved to Berlin because of his job in 2014. And uh, at the sort of in August of 2015, I started getting death threats again through the For the Bible Tells Me So website. Now, when oh, that that's, for, that's when fun. that film, <laughs> lovely, right? When yeah. that film first came out, I got a lot of death threats because it was an extremely threatening movie for those who hadn't seen it. Um, very threatening movie to Christians who, as you've said, sort of kind of have, have put their stake in the ground around the fact that God hates LGBTQ people or doesn't approve or whatever. Um, so back then I got a lot of death threats. They completely stopped. It's been, for the Bible tells me so, premiered in 2007, okay? But in 2015, eight years later, I started getting death threats again, a couple a week. And I said to Russ, like, what's happening in the U.S. right now to make people want to threaten me? And if they're threatening me, What's happening on playgrounds and in high school, you know, hallways and to, to young people like this is disturbing to me. So the next week was a presidential Republican presidential debate. So we didn't even realize it, but the Republican presidential campaign had started and there were about, I don't know, 10 or 11 candidates at this point. And they there was a debate. So we said, well, let's watch this debate and see if this comes up. And sure enough, it came up. 
And I think eight out of 10 of them said something proudly, viscerally anti-gay or anti-trans. Now, when we left the U.S. in 2014, I would have thought maybe two of them, like Huckabee, maybe two or three of them would have said something like that. This was eight, eight out of 10. And I said to Russ, what is happening there that all of a sudden it's totally okay to be so unabashedly anti-gay? And this was only two months after the passage of marriage equality, right? Or the, Mm -hmm. not passage, but the, the two months since marriage equality came to the U.S. through the Supreme Court ruling. And I started, so then I started to look, well, what's happening at the state level with LGBTQ stuff. And very quickly, I started, like very quickly, I was counting 150, 170, 200 anti-LGBTQ pieces of legislation going through state legislatures. And the people, the gay friends that I had in the US, I would talk to them and they were not seeing it at all. They were like, we're getting married and everything's great. And, you know, I was like, but what about, what about what's happening at the state level? And what about all these trans people of color who are being murdered more every year. And like, yeah. something's going wrong. Are you not seeing this? And honestly, virtually everyone I talked to was not. And so I called one of the sort of major funders of For the Bible Tells Me So, who's a former Mormon, and just said, Bruce, I think we have to keep this conversation going. I think we have to make another film. And and. I don't know what else. This is what I do. So I think that's what I need to do. And we can do all this stuff that we didn't do with the first film. You know, there were no trans stories. There were no religious families with trans kids in in for the Bible tells me so, because that it was enough just to include families of faith with gay and lesbian kids at that point. But now, you know, religious conservatives are really opening and proudly attacking trans people. We need to do that. The religious freedom movement had really gained speed. Uh, and steam in the U.S. by 2015. And I didn't ever feel like I saw anyone on our side countering that very well. Uh, I was still watching everything online, reading everything. And I, you know, there are these great arguments against the kind of religious freedom that conservatives are arguing for, but I wasn't seeing them in a very smart, coherent way. So I thought we need to deal with that. We need to deal with the fact that conversion therapy is is on the upswing, even though Exodus International closed its doors saying that it doesn't work, two new ministries have grown up in its stead and, and are now bigger than Exodus ever was. Like, And for people who don't know what Exodus was and the other ministries are, would you just uh, kind of describe <laughs> Exodus? Sure. And, uh, sure. So Exodus yeah. was based on this insane notion that through your relationship with God and through your relationship with Jesus, you will change and you will no longer be gay or your 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 same sex attraction they don't use the word gay this your same sex attraction will be so diminished that you'll find a nice woman marry and have the family you always wanted and live happily ever after no one ever thinks about the woman who gets completely screwed by that um, because ultimately people have to be who they are uh, so conversion therapy to me is really handing a loaded gun to an LGBTQ person and almost pointing it right at their head and saying, okay, pull the trigger. Because so many of these kids mostly have grown up in the church. They've been rejected by their families and by their church families. So they have this double rejection. And then they're told, God will change you. God loves you. He will change you. 
And then God doesn't change them because God doesn't want them to change. That's how God made them to be. So once they think that God doesn't even love them, then what's what's left to live for? So uh, conversion therapy, for me, this email that I that I mentioned early on about this boy being driven to suicide by his the religious experience in his life, conversion therapy is an extension of that. And my, so my work is all about really very specifically trying to prevent suicide. <laughs> so um, I couldn't not look at this conversion therapy uh, issue in the film. Yeah, and like you said, they are still going strong. And something else that your docu features quite a bit of, like you mentioned, stemming from political debate that inspired the film, is the idea of religious freedom and how it is being used against the LGBTQ plus community. Sarah McBride, the current national press secretary for the human rights campaign and a trailblazing trans activist, is in your film. And a line that she says really stuck with me. She says, religious freedom is about being a shield, not a sword. I just think that is a perfect visual for what is happening in the U.S. Religious freedom being used as a weapon, as a sword, and not what it was intended for, which is a shield. Would you just talk about religious freedom, what your definition is, and the implications of what is happening in the U.S. right now? Yeah, I mean, religious freedom, uh, the way it was conceived uh, when the country founded was, I mean, the, the founders, founding fathers left England to, to because they wanted religious freedom. They wanted to worship the way they wanted to worship. They wanted to have the freedom to um, have the beliefs that they have. Uh, and that's sort of very simply what religious freedom is. What's happened is that the conservative side of the aisle has turned that into um, sort of um, they are they are being victimized by having to do something in the public square, for example, that goes against their religious belief, and that's not what religious freedom is about. You can't legislate someone's faith. You can't legislate what is right or wrong in a religious environment. Um, but what is being argued right now is that it's against someone's religious freedom, for example, for a Christian baker to have to make a cake for a, uh, a same-sex wedding, right? Um, but the reality is, is that when you are a business that is open to the public, you have to deal with the public. You're not sheltered. You're not allowed to discriminate against someone because of your religious beliefs. Uh, if you are in private and um, are not someone in the public square making cakes or a photographer, then you can choose what you wanna do. But if you are uh, someone who has a license to do business in America, or particularly someone who works for the government, uh, you are not allowed to use your religious beliefs to discriminate against others. And that's where religious freedom has gone wrong. It's the turn toward not only do I am I using religious freedom to defend my beliefs, but I'm using them to discriminate against you. That's what I have a problem with and what I think is completely against the founding fathers idea of religious freedom. The cake example is almost so absurd that it kind of makes me laugh. Like how outlandish is that? No one can have a business selling something 
then dictate how the people buying it use it. Like, buy these jeans for me, but if you do, you can only wear them with red tank tops. Like, like I, I can't dictate that. And that is absurd for anyone to try. Like, even a straight person can go into that same cake shop, buy that cake, then take it to their orgy that night. And that person selling the cake might not like that orgy, but that doesn't really matter as of that point because that person owns that cake now and it is not for them to decide what to do with it. It's just, um, oh my gosh, it is so baffling. Um, but speaking of pushback, uh, you received pushback from the first film, obviously. And I'm curious, have you received pushback from this second film? Uh, raising money to make these films. I thought since for the Bible did so well that it would be much easier to raise the money for, for they know not what they do. It was harder because people thought we were done. All the people that I spoke to were like, we have marriage equality. Everything's great. Like, no, it is not like, really, this is a full community. What about our trans brothers and sisters? Yeah. I mean, anyway, um, so I had a lot of people tell me, at first, when I started making For They Know Not What They Do, the second film, that we didn't need another film. There was nothing really new to be covered. um, And I needed to just move on to another topic. And I just like disagree. And then with the 2016 election, things changed a little bit. But honestly, um, many of the rich white gay men that gave me money for for the Bible did not come back because they just don't feel any necessity anymore. Everything's fine, quote unquote, which is uh, unfortunate. Trans issues and struggles are at the forefront of For They Know Not What They Do, which is extremely crucial and relevant right now, especially when so many black trans women are being brutally murdered all the fucking time. And you know, something that really upsets me is the discrimination against trans people with in the LGBTQ plus community. Fortunately, my intimate group is not like that. But my first encounter, my first face-to-face encounter with this was um, actually this last year at an event when I was talking to an older white gay man and the TV show Pose came up and we were talking about the different characters in the show. And he said, the man who plays the main mother is so good. And I was like, okay, surely he didn't mean what I think he just said. So I'm going to play dumb and hopefully he will fix what he just said. So he's misgendering her. Uh huh. Uh huh. Uh huh. Uh. So I was like, um, what? (laughs) And he just repeated, the man who plays the main mother is so good. And I was like, well, there isn't a man who plays the main mother in the show. So who are you referring to? And he said, yeah, the drag queen, the name's like Electra or something. And I was like, okay, the person who plays Electra is a woman, a trans woman. Is that who you're referring to? And the asshole literally said to me, yeah, him, her, whatever. Right. And I about lost my shit could not stop pacing for like hours after that because I was so pissed off about it. It sounds like you're still pacing. Actually, I, I, Literally. <laughs> so because of ignorant people like that, that your documentary talking about these issues, acknowledging these issues is so important. 
Thank you. Thank you. I thought it was very important to cover because it was something we left out of the first film. And it's it's also, you know, honestly, uh, people often ask me, like, what did you learn making this film? And top of the list is I learned how little I knew and understood about the trans experience. I thought I got it. I have friends who were trans. I thought and I didn't. I I didn't. And I'm so graceful. I mean, that's part of I'm so grateful to do what I do. And I'm sure you have this experience too. Um, it just was such a gift to have to really do a deep dive into the lives of these two families and really get it like, Oh God, like the courage, I, the courage of trans people in America right now, uh, is blinding to me because there is so much misunderstanding and hate, like, like ignorant hatred of trans people because, you know, anyone who questions uh, these two gender stereotypes um, like uh, needs to, uh, I don't know. I don't understand. I don't really understand the mindset of people who are so angry about trans people, but I do understand that it is a lot of people in the U S and as Sarah says in the movie, just walking down the street, is a act of courage, yep. you know, applying for a job, trying to get a new apartment, all of that stuff when you're trans is just completely so hard because you just never know who you're going to run into and who, what power though they're going to have over what you need to, you know, happen in your life. Anyway, I, yeah, healthcare, I'm, all of it. I'm really proud of both of those, both of those kids Elliot and uh, Sarah, and I just love their families. So now if anyone wants an in-depth answer on this question that I'm about to ask, please watch his films. But Daniel, I think it is really important for people just to hear this out loud. So I am going to ask, do you think being a part of the LGBTQ plus community is a sin. Absolutely not. And it's, you know, it's, it's just not there in scripture either. Uh, I know that we've been socialized to believe that. And honestly, uh, and a film that I'm working on right now uh, is about the fact that the word homosexual, just let, just let this sink in. The word homosexual did not appear in any Bible, any Bible until 1946. The Bible was supposedly written about 2000 years ago at various periods, you know, the Bible is kind of a collection of books, but they were all mostly written about 2000 years ago. The word homosexual was never in any of them, any of these millions of translations of the Bible until 1946. Just that says a great deal about how translations are influenced by the feelings and um, issues that the people who translate it are feeling at the time. So the fact that we think we see homosexuality in the Bible or being trans or whatever, being queer, it just isn't there. But there is so much in the Bible about we are here for each other. We are here to do unto others as you would have them do unto you. We are here to love and to embrace. Uh, and all of that gets put, put aside so often from people who need to, as you said, wield religious freedom as a sword and just feel better about themselves often. So I, I feel 100% confident that uh, 
we are all made in God's image and that the kingdom of God is within all of us, as the Bible says, and that we are each a piece of that. Uh, no matter who we are, no matter how we present, uh, no matter um, anything, no matter who we are, uh, we are loved by God. Amen to that. I want to ask you about your religious label now throughout this work, throughout your work in your personal life. I know for me, religious labels are quite difficult and, and so complicated. (laughs) Some days I'm like, yeah, I'm a Christian and others I'm like, hell no, that's awful. Um, it just kind of depends on the day and how I'm feeling right then there. But, um, I'm curious, do you still use the label Christian yourself? You know, like you, they're 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 (laughs) days that I want to claim that. And there are many other days that I don't. Um, you know, it's, I think it's a lifelong journey, but yeah, I, I absolutely, I am a Christian. If you are looking at Jesus as someone who believes what I just said, that life is about the golden rule that you treat others the way you want to be treated. So if you see someone who's failing in whatever way, and if you were failing the same way, you'd want someone to help you. That's what I do. You know, that's that's what I do in my work. That's who I try to be in my life. I don't always succeed. Lord knows. Just ask Russ, my husband. But, um, (laughs) yeah, I I, I, unfortunately, the word Christian has been co-opted so often by the people who don't believe what I believe and are much seemingly more exclusive. I think everyone is part of this great design that Earth and the human race is. And so, yeah, I think more broadly, I absolutely am still Christian. Well, for people out there who have been raised in the Christian faith, uh, who want to claim it or who have been really hurt by it, I definitely suggest that you watch both of these films. I think they are so important and just really great works. And um, I thank you for them. Where can people find you, watch your films and just keep up with all the incredible work that you're doing? Uh, So For the Bible Tells Me So is really everywhere. It was also on Netflix for, I don't know, nine years, but it's not on Netflix anymore, but it's on Amazon and um, iTunes and just Google For the Bible Tells Me So and you can find it. Uh, It's pretty ubiquitous. For They Know Know What They Do just recently opened virtually um, on about 70 virtual cinema platforms. What that means is instead of because all theaters are closed now and we were going to open at the beginning of uh, Pride Month this year, this past June, um, we couldn't do that. So instead of going straight to Amazon and iTunes and all of those um, usual streamers, we decided first to try to help all these small independent film theaters that are struggling because they've been closed for four months. And you know, even when they're open, it's hard to exist as an art house theater. And these are the kind of theaters that play documentaries that would play for they know not what they do. So what we did was we reached out to 70 plus of them and the movie is available on their virtual cinema platforms. And when someone rents the film to stream it through one of those theaters, the theater gets half the price of the ticket, which is just 10 bucks, right? It's 10 bucks to rent. Um, So the theater is making money even while it's closed, which I absolutely love. So until about mid uh, to late August, you can just go to foretheyknow.org, O-R-G, and click on find your theater. 
And you can find a theater either close to you or really anywhere in the U.S. If you grew up in a small town but now live in New York, but the small town movie theater that you always went to <clears throat> is one of those theaters, you can support them. It's not geographically based. So, um, yeah, the film is streamable right now. And then in September, uh, the film will then go on to Amazon and iTunes and maybe Netflix and the DVD will come out and all of that. So it's it's in various stages, but it's it's definitely available right now uh and it's a good time to watch yeah grab your tissues and hunker on down y'all and watch it it's so good (laughs) well thank you so much daniel i really appreciate you chatting with us today sure tyler thank you for having me and keep up the great work a great conversation with so many things so here are my main takeaways number one it is possible to align spirituality and activism with our careers just as daniel has send out positivity to the universe be open and take advantage of opportunities being given to you you have talents that are special and that need to be utilized number two Conversion therapy is what? Abuse. It is not based in fact or science, has been proven over and over not to work, and also has been proven over and over to directly lead to extreme trauma and suicide. This abuse is happening all around the U.S., right here, right now, and is being done to helpless minors. So check to see if conversion or reparative therapy is legal in your state. Educate yourself and others, and then help to get this shit banned. Number three. Now, I'm actually going to have a full-length episode in the near future dedicated to religious freedom because it is just so freaking layered. But I will say this real quick. We gotta look at the history of religious freedom, why it was created, and how it is being used today. Yeah, of course freedom of religion means the freedom to worship and believe in something. But when it was created, Americans were fleeing Europe primarily because of religious persecution. So it's not just freedom to be a part of a religion, but actually more importantly, it's freedom from religion, meaning freedom from any specific religious practice, and freedom from religious persecution. So using religious freedom as some type of a weapon to demoralize, hurt, and discriminate against other people directly goes against why it was created. Number four, everyone, including the LGBTQ plus community, has got to do a better job at supporting uplifting, and protecting trans individuals. Please do some research on how many anti-trans bills are in effect or are in the process of trying to be in your area. Believe me, it will be unsettling. Number five, being a part of the LGBTQ plus community is not a sin. I have posted links in the show notes for Daniel Carslake. Please check them out and watch his films. And after you do, you better let me know what you learned and what you thought of them. I will be excited to hear your thoughts. 
Also, please follow this podcast, subscribe, comment, leave a review, and continue to reach out to me. I really do adore hearing from you, your stories, your questions, your thoughts, so please keep them coming. You can reach me at the email in the show notes or DM me on social media at haveablessedgay on all the platforms. Now, because this content is heavy at times, you might not be able to laugh it off. And if you are struggling and you're having a hard time, I will always post helplines in the show notes. So reach out if you need to. You are not alone. Just remember, you are special. You are purposeful. And you are fucking beautiful. Have a blessed day, y'all. Thank you.